Well, we're in the middle of a series called How to Get What You Want. And today we're going to talk about the habit that you want, the habit that you want to get what you want. Do you ever notice how some people are just unflappable? Like no matter what it is they're going through, no matter what challenge or problem is before them, they just always seem to, to do the right thing, to be confident, to, to just have the right perspective. And they just, they just come through it. They're unflappable. You know, some people are just born this way, but for the rest of us, we really have to work at it, don't we? We've got to figure out what are those things that we need to do? What are those habits that we need to cultivate in order to be unflappable? Well, today I want to talk about a habit that you want that will help you to be unflappable no matter what it is you face in this life. We're going to look today at a guy we've been, we've been studying for the past few weeks, a guy by the name of Abraham who we find in the Bible book of Genesis. And um, this guy was far from unflappable. In fact, when you look at Abraham's life, it was like just a roller coaster ride of ups and downs and faithful accomplishments and then, man, faithless failures, all sorts of different stuff. So he was far from unflappable. But today, we're going to look at Genesis 13. And it was something that Abraham did that was really just a great thing. And it's a habit that you want. So a little bit of background. Um, in Genesis 12, we're introduced to this guy named Abram. God later changes his name to Abraham. And, uh, and he says to Abram, go into this land that I'm going to show you. And so in great faith, Abraham goes into this land that God has promised. But then a famine hits and Abram leaves the promised land. He flees to Egypt. And then in front of King Pharaoh, he completely panics and scared out of his mind thinking he's going to be killed because Pharaoh is going to see his beautiful wife. He lies and he tells King Pharaoh that his wife is actually his sister. And he basically gives away his wife to the king of Egypt. Now, once King Pharaoh finds this out, he returns Abraham's wife to him and he kicks them out of the land. And that's really where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13. And this is how it goes. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot, Lot's his nephew, went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. This was the first place that he had worshipped God when he came into the promised land. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land couldn't support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So... There's a problem. There's not enough land to support everybody who's in it. And, and Abraham and Lot, they're just not able to stay together and be able to have enough to, to feed everybody. So, verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. 
Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. Now, check out what Abraham says to Lot next. He says, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now that whole Sodom and Gomorrah piece, that's another sermon for another day. But what I think is amazing about this story is here is Abraham, okay? And you got to remember that he's just come out of this famine where he's been freaking out. And Abraham's kind of a control freak. And at many times, this great man of faith, this hero of the faith, lacks faith. And, and yet here he is in this moment, knowing that there's not enough land. They've just come out of a famine and he can see that there's this valley, right? There's this, there's this plain of the Jordan that's well watered. It's like a garden of the Lord. It's basically famine proof. And, and Abraham in that moment, he says to Lot, you know what? You choose. He does the most courageous, confident, selfless thing that he can do. He offers the best land to his nephew. And the question is, what in the world is going on in Abraham that this time he doesn't try to control or manipulate? He's not afraid. He is totally at peace, totally confident that God has his back. What's going on with Abraham that allows him to be unflappable? Because this is the habit that you want. Well, we have to go back to verses three and four to see what's going on with Abraham here. In verse three, it says, from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, where he'd first built an altar. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. And that is the habit that you want, to call on the name of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord. Well, there's a big difference between what names seem to represent today versus what names represented in biblical times. I mean, if you think about it today, I mean, names, they're just all over the place. In fact, I was, I was taking a look at some, um, some, some fun celebrity baby names and uh, just check out some of these names. We've got the names Gravity and Radix, not, not Radish, but Radix. Uh, we've got the baby named Pilot Inspector and Sunday, Rocket, Cricket. And maybe my favorite baby name is uh, from Jay-Z and Beyonce. They named their baby Blue Ivy. Man, I, I don't know if it's just because like I'm a Marvel superhero fan, but I feel like Blue Ivy is like the next big thing. So, you know, all, all of these celebrities, they... They named their babies because, you know, they, they wanted the, the name to, to represent something and, and be fun and, and unique and kind of give them their own unique identity. And it's actually a little bit similar in the Bible. You see, names in the Bible are extremely significant. 
When you find a name in the Bible, it basically represents who the person is. It is the person's core identity. It's ultimately really why we can understand the words of Jesus, where when he says in John 14, 14, he says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Do you ever think about when Jesus says that? Ask anything in my name and I'll do it. You see, you, you may be like, yeah, I, I, what does that actually mean anyway? Well, if you understand what, what the name means, significance of that, what you understand is you can't just have somebody cut you off on the beltway and go, God, strike that person down in Jesus' name, amen. I mean, God's not going to answer that prayer. Why? Because that's not according to the name of Jesus, according to the character, the nature, and the identity of Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says, you ask anything in my name, what he's really saying is, if you ask in alignment with my character, my identity, my nature, if you align yourself with who God is, then God will answer that prayer. So, to call on the name of the Lord, this habit that you want to cultivate, okay? What that means, to call on the name of the Lord, is to call upon the character, the identity of God, and to put your focus on who God is. It's ultimately shifting your focus from whatever is before you, whatever challenges, whatever problems you're facing, ultimately shifting your focus to God. You know, I have been a lifelong fan of a historically really bad Cincinnati Bengals football team. Well, actually, until this year's Super Bowl season. And really, the, the difference this year is a young quarterback that we drafted two years ago named Joe Burrow. Man, I got to tell you, just holding this jersey when i when i wear this jersey i just feel so good because not only is joe burrow an incredible quarterback but he just has this confidence that is contagious man it it makes me feel confident but more importantly it makes all of his teammates feel confident and so here's the deal no matter what's going on on the football field no matter what's going on with the cincinnati Bengals, whoever they're facing whatever adversity is before them all they have to do is shift their eyes from that to number nine, Joe Burrow, Joe Franchise. And when they do that, they just have this confidence. They have this belief, we're going to win this game. And that has changed everything for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. When you call on the name of the Lord, you are shifting your focus from whatever challenges, whatever problems, to the very character and nature of who God is. And let me tell you something. The problem in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. The problem in front of you is never bigger than the God inside of you. And so this is the habit that I want to challenge you to cultivate. Call on the name of the Lord. Shift your focus to who God is. Now, habits are tough. And this one I have found in my life is, is one of the hardest habits to cultivate. I, I don't know how it is for you, but man, I'm just a, a go, go, do kind of person, right? I, I wake up in the morning and, and already my mind is running and I, I just, I just want to accomplish. 
And I find it really challenging to just start the first few minutes of my day with God, just focusing on who God is, leaning in to the character and the nature of God. But this is what I know, and and I'm sure you know this too. When I do, my day goes so much better than when I don't. This is the habit that you want to call on the name of the Lord. So I want to give you a resource and give you a challenge. Um, Lent is coming up in just a few days, and uh, we're going to do something at Grace called the Lent Challenge. Now, Lent, as many of you know, is the 40-day season leading up to Easter, where we remember Jesus' incredible sacrifice for us. God coming down to this earth, laying down his life. And uh, many of us have, at, at different Lent seasons, have remembered that sacrifice and have decided, you know what, I want to sacrifice something. Maybe you, you gave up sweets or you gave up alcohol or there was something in your life that you decided, I'm just going to give this up for Lent. Well, I want to challenge you this Lent to give up the first few minutes of your day and give them over to God, specifically to call on the name of the Lord. So for this Lent challenge, we're going to be over the next uh, 40 days, we are going to be using a devotional guide to help us to, to focus in on who God is. And I want to tell you, it's completely free. And I would love for you to participate in this Lent challenge. In fact, This is particularly important if you find yourself feeling like this is a season for you where you're a little bit disconnected. Like maybe it's been hard for you to to be able to regularly attend services at Grace. And maybe you're not really connected in with a group. You don't really feel like you've got some people to do life with right now. This is a great way, you know, right from wherever you are individually, but also as part of, of a team to be able to do this Lent challenge together. So, Here's how you sign up. You go to bit.ly slash these 40 days. That's bit.ly slash these, the number four zero days. Sign up today. It's totally free. We'll send you everything that you need and we'll be encouraging you along the way. Now, I want to look at the rest of this chapter because it tells us something really, really cool about who God is. Verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around you from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go. Walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now, what is so cool about this passage is that God is once again here with Abraham, reaffirming his promise to Abraham that he's going to bless him. And what is so amazing about this is that Abraham, just massive highs and lows, a tremendous roller coaster ride of faithfulness and faithlessness, of success and failure. And yet God, through all of it, is always faithful to Abraham. And that is such an encouragement to me, and I hope it is to you as well, that no matter what, God is faithful. 
You know, one of the early Christian leaders of the church, by a guy by the name of Timothy, who wrote several letters in the New Testament, wrote these words in 2 Timothy 2.13. He said, if we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful. How awesome is that? If, if we are faithless, like maybe you've had big seasons in your life where, where you've lacked faith and you've, you've made bad decisions. That's okay. God remains faithful. Maybe even right now, you're feeling like you have very little faith. The good news is God remains faithful. And here's the last few words of that verse. Timothy says, God remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. What does that mean? Well, it means that according to God's character, according to his nature, his identity, he is faithful. That's just who God is. He can't not be faithful. So even when you are faithless, God remains faithful. Man, that is great news. So we've been talking about this habit that you want to call on the name of the Lord. I want to give you right now just a few moments to put that in practice, to go ahead and build this habit right now. So what I want you to do is just for the next 30 seconds or so, just go ahead and call on the name of the Lord. Turn your focus from whatever's before you, whatever's on your mind, whatever problems you're facing, and just focus on who God is. And go ahead and speak it out. John, through this series, has been talking about the power of actually using our words and speaking it out. Go ahead and declare out loud right now who God is, what God is all about. Shift your focus to God. Then after that, our music team is going to lead us in a song that is going to help you to further call on the name of the Lord. And then I'll be back to pray for you. fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God You have been faithful All my life You have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice 
fire Darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much that even in the ups and the downs of this life, God, that you are faithful. We thank you, God, that we can call on your name and that that when we do, when we can really shift our focus from our problems to you, God, that you can steady us, that you can keep us unflappable through whatever we're facing in this life. God, help us to build this habit and to trust in you and your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Have an awesome week.